You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. In Matthew 6, 11-13, Jesus prayed, Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a petition. This is coming to God and asking for things, for daily provision, asking for forgiveness, asking us to help deliver us from evil. He has delivered us from evil. He has given us and broken the chains that bind us. He has freed us. We have a choice now. We don't have to sin. We have a choice. Jesus has broken the chains. In today's message from Pastor Dave, he teaches you that you have been set free from the bondage of sin. As a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of you and empowers you to live righteously. You do not have to live in sin and can choose against it. Seek the Lord in His ways. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 4 as he continues his message, The Church That Prays Together. commonality of our lives is Jesus Christ and we are one in him and therefore we have a collectiveness sadly the visions in the church always hinder prayer and it robs the church of spiritual power we need to be like-minded we need to have the mind of Christ they prayed they got together and they prayed you know what's cool is throughout the bible there are many many different prayers of the saints and you can do a really cool study on the prayers of the saints throughout the whole bible Start with the Old Testament and come all the way through. It really is filled with some wonderful, wonderful prayers. All through scriptures, you hear the hopes, the thoughts, and the cries of these saints. In fact, many Psalms, when you read them, are prayers in them of themselves. Although a lot of them are supposed to be musical or melodic, but they have a prayer when you read them. They can be prayers. Some of the worship songs we sing can be prayers. They can be prayers of your heart when you're worshiping. But the most notable prayer seen in the Bible, I'm sure you all know, we call it the Lord's Prayer. It's in Matthew 6. And as part of his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks about prayer. It's basically Matthew 6, 5 through 15. We're going to read some excerpts of that when we go through the, through the rest of the message. But Jesus began something really interesting when he began the Lord's Prayer, when he, when he wanted to teach the disciples to pray. In Luke, it says the disciples actually asked him to teach us to pray. He said, when you pray in Matthew 6, I think it's the 15. I'm not sure where it is. I had it tagged, but I I lost it. I'm sorry. He says, in this manner, therefore pray. In this manner, therefore pray. And it's interesting that Jesus doesn't say, pray this prayer. He doesn't say, pray this prayer. Now, before you start throwing things at me, I believe that this is a wonderful prayer. I believe that the Lord's prayer is a wonderful, wonderful, heartfelt body prayer. I believe it. I've said it myself many, many times. I've led others in the saying of a Lord's Prayer. I have no problem with that. Problem I have is Jesus said this was a model prayer. I think there's a tragic problem when people take this prayer and they use it in vain repetition. And we constantly repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it in succession, 9, 10, 15 times. Where's the meaning in that? It loses its meaning after a while. It loses its meaning because you're just saying words. If you slowly 
pray the prayer and you think about what you're praying, think about what it is you're saying, there's power in that prayer. There's major power in that prayer. Jesus himself even says that in Matthew 6, 7. He says, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. In other words, if I say this enough times, it's going to stick. If I throw this at, the, at this time too many times, eventually it will stick. <laughs> Reminds me, if I drop so many Scrabble letters out of the sky, eventually they'll make a word. And it's the same kind of thing that we've been talking about that at the Truth Project. These vain repetitions, it's sad. It's sad. But just to repeat it out of memory, it just loses its meaning. It loses what it's supposed to be. There's tremendous value in this prayer. But he uses this as a model prayer. And we're going to look at this, and we're going to compare this prayer to how the apostles and the disciples prayed in Acts 4. We're going to look at that. The first thing Jesus says is he expresses the relationship that he has. He expresses a relationship. So when we pray, one of the first things we need to do is express relationship. Relationship is highly important. Your relationship to God is highly important. How you approach God is extremely important. Jesus said we're to approach him as our father. Our father. Look at the relationship here. Children, father. You're approaching the father. The disciples approached him this way. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them. The relationship here is interesting because look at the word used in the Greek. It's despotes. It's where we get the word despot. Despot. It means absolute ruler in complete control of everything. So listen to the mindset here. They're praying to a God who is in complete control of everything that's going on. They're praying to a God who is, has complete control of not only what they're experiencing, but what they've seen and what they're going to experience in the future. They're praying to a God with a relationship like you are God, you made heaven and earth. You know, when we realize to whom we are praying, it changes our prayer. It changes the way we pray. When we realize what he has already done in our lives, it should provide us with tremendous confidence when we pray. Looking back on where he has brought us from, we should have tremendous encouragement to pray for what's going to happen in the future. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's going to work the same way. Relationship is extremely important when we come to God. When I feel pressured, when I feel threatened by something, and I start talking to the Lord, and I start expressing my heart, all these problems that I have, all these things that I'm threatened by, they seem to fade away when I realize to whom I'm speaking. When I realize to whom I'm speaking to the one true living God, to the creator of the universe, and he has allowed me by the blood of Jesus Christ to come into his throne room. He's allowed me by the blood of Christ to come in and pray and ask him and ask him things. Wow. Wow. Now, he holds everything in the palm of his hand. And we need to start our prayers remembering, Lord, you're God. Father, you are God. Abba, Dad, you are God. What's your relationship with God today? What's your relationship? He wants you to call him Abba, Father, Daddy. He wants you to have that tight, that close of a relationship with him where you call him Daddy. Look what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by the great power in your outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. What a great prayer. What a wonderful prayer to come before God and recognize who he is, Lord God. He made the heavens and the earth. You know what? There's nothing too hard for you, God. There's nothing. This mountain of a molehill that I've made, this tiny little problem that's really got me unwound and crazy, there's nothing for you. You spent all this time making the heavens and earth and perfecting it. And look at this. In the next verses that the apostles pray, we look at the Lord's prayer, and what they do is they acknowledge God's will. 
The apostles now use this model of prayer that Jesus gave them and acknowledge God's will. Remember, Jesus prayed in 610, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The apostles now recognizing God's will, God's providential hand manifested in the death of Jesus Christ, their savior, prays this in Acts 4, 24 and 28. Who, Lord God, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ. For truly against your servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, will gather together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined beforehand. Here again, we see the great knowledge of the scriptures when you're praying in the spirit. When you're praying in the Holy Spirit, the scriptures just flow from your mouth. These scriptures that you might not memorize, all of a sudden become true. Why? Because they're written on your heart. They're written on the hearts of men. The scriptures are there, and you espouse on them. The disciples prayed that, Father, you know, you told us that the heathen would come against us, and you told us they would come against us and your people, and guess what, Lord? We're seeing that happen right now. But your will has been done, and we see your hand upon these circumstances. What a great prayer. We see your hand upon these circumstances, Lord. Guide us through them. So many times, my prayer in the middle of circumstance is what? Oh, Lord, take this circumstance away. I'm going to cry like a little girl because I can't handle it. Take it away. Take it away. Instead of, Lord, reveal yourself to me in the midst of this circumstance and help me through it. Help me shine your love in the midst of this circumstance. Wow, what a different prayer. But no, we go, oh, take it away. Take it away. See the difference in the prayer when we approach him and when we know who he is. Your hand upon these circumstances, Lord. Peter would later write in his epistle, in 1 Peter 4, 12 to 13, he would write this, Behold, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened, but rejoice to the extent that you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Wow. Do you have joy in the midst of your circumstances? Do you have joy that is exceeding? Wow. Don't be surprised when these things come about you. I shouldn't be surprised when everything goes wrong when I'm trying to sit down and study God's word. I shouldn't be surprised when the world around me hates me and wants to just beat me up for all kinds of things. I shouldn't be surprised when nothing seems to go right. God says, why are you surprised? Give glory to me and you're going to have exceeding joy. So we get together with the brethren. We raise up holy hands and guess what? We have joy. We have peace in the midst of these circumstances. Paul wants us to have this joy in the midst of these trials because God is in control. We should have joy over it that God is in control and we have his word that says, and we know he works all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. We know that. We know that. James, in his epistle, went a little further. He just came out and said, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. James 1, 2, and 3. Peter and James, in their epistles, understood that when persecution comes, it's always in accordance to God's word and to God's will. It's always accordance to God's word and God's will. These early believers applied the message of Psalm 2 to their own situation. They identified that their adversaries were the same ones that came against Jesus Christ. They identified that these were the same people that came against Christ but they also joyfully exclaimed that although these people crucified Christ, God raised him from the dead. 
And they were like, praise God. And they looked forward to that future knowing that if their persecution got so bad that they might die, guess what? God would raise them from the dead too. That was their belief. And they could have joy exceedingly glad and they could praise God for his bounty. Praise God for his love. When we know this, we're not afraid. When this is the core of our being, we're not afraid. We're not afraid. Warren Wiersbe says this, faith in a sovereign Lord is a tremendous encouragement for God's people to keep serving the Lord when going through difficulties. Our faith gets bolder and gets stronger when we go through these difficulties. When we come into the church and we pour our hearts open to the church and iron starts to sharpen iron and we get stronger in our faith and we are built up and God sees the purpose for this affliction and we, it passes and we can say, praise God. Hallelujah. Grace like rain. And I'm washed. Hallelujah. The disciples finished their prayer just like Jesus taught them and modeled for them in the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew 6, 11 through 13, Jesus prayed, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a petition. This is coming to God and asking for things, for daily provision, asking for forgiveness, asking us to help deliver us from evil. He has delivered us from evil. He has given us and broken the chains that bind us. He has freed us. We have a choice now. We don't have to sin. We have a choice. Look at the petition of our guys in Acts 4, 29 through 30. Look at what they say. Lord, look now, Lord, look to their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness that they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done in the name, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That was their prayer. They didn't ask for protection. They didn't ask to be removed from the situation. They didn't ask for the persecution to stop. They asked for power. They didn't ask for wrath to come down and burn all the Sanhedrin up, Lord, just fire and brimstone, just burn them up, Lord. They didn't ask for that. They asked for power from heaven so they could preach the word because they knew there was power in the word of God. They knew where the power was. The power wasn't in our own strength. The power was in the word of God. This is where the power is. It's in the word of God. Not in the word of man. It's in the word of God. And look what else they asked for. They asked for the sick to be healed. Why? So this would glorify God. When the sick are healed, God is glorified. Look what happened to the lame man. God was glorified in the healing of the lame man and the, and the Sanhedrin was pulling a Jack and Gleason going, hummina, 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 hummina. They couldn't say anything. They couldn't say a word. Because they, they saw the man there whole. And they're like, scratching their heads. I don't know what to do now. What are we going to do? They didn't ask for protection. They asked for power. They didn't ask for wrath. They asked for ability to preach the word of God. They wanted the sick to be healed. They asked for boldness to continue to speak in the name of Jesus and that God would be glorified in the face of the opposition. Wiersbe again says this, the emphasis is on the hand of God at work in the church, not the hand of man at work for God. You see where the emphasis was? Their emphasis was, God, you do this. That's the emphasis I want in this church. I want to be a spectator. God, you do this. And we will glorify your name. We will raise your name on high. In fact, Lord, if you don't do it, guess what? We're still going to glorify your name and praise your name on high. But you do this so that others may know you, so that we would testify of you because you're the one doing the work. We're just the spectators. We're just being used. We're your hands right now. Believing prayer releases God's power. Believing prayer enables God's hands to move. 
I get this great picture of God stretching out his hand to heal those that are afflicted. God stretched out his hands to heal those afflicted. I get this wonderful picture. But you know what? God already stretched out his hand. In fact, he stretched out his hands to heal sinners. God stretched out his hands like this and allowed humans to nail them to a cross. He already healed us of the curse of sin. He already healed us of the bondage that sin brought. God has already healed us, and we are testimony of his love. When we pray for someone to be saved, God's hands are outstretched and wants to welcome that person into the kingdom of God. You think of outstretched arms, we sang, in the arms of love. In the arms of love, as God wraps his arms around us and cuddles us and nurtures us through our times of difficulty and our trials, we are in the arms of a loving God. His hands are outstretched towards us constantly. He's constantly going like this. He was the one that initiated. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. I'm going to build me a ladder, and we're going to get up to God. The relationship I had says God went like this. God put his hand down to me in the form of Jesus Christ. Outstretched hands. Outstretched hands. <laughs> These men and women didn't ask for God's protection. They didn't ask for the wrath. They asked for the boldness to preach the gospel message. They asked for power to be witnesses of Jesus Christ and more power that the message might get to the dying world. They cared about their fellow man. They were other-centered. They wanted the message to go out so much they didn't care for their own lives. They didn't care about the threats. They didn't care about the persecution. They didn't care about what they were being told not to do. They knew their heart was burning for the love and power of Jesus Christ, and they had to preach the gospel. They were encouraged all the more. Is this happening in your heart? Does your heart burn with the gospel message of Jesus Christ? Have you seen the deliverance of God through the skirmish with non-believers? Take heart, my friends. The more we realize that God is working for us, the more we will want to carry out his work. The more we realize that God is on our side. Hey, guys, check the end of the book. We win. We win. And you have that knowing that going into it. You know that going into a battle. You win. You have that security. You have that confirmation. You have God's word on it, and there is nothing more true. We learned that the first night of the Truth Project. This is the reality. God, his truth, this is it. Well, if you read verse 31, you see that the Lord was quick in his answer. The Lord answered mightily this prayer that they were praying. The Lord didn't wait too long to answer their prayer. It says in verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they all spoke the word of God with boldness. You know, Pastor Frank said that this is God's amen to the prayer. God was agreeing with their prayer, so he shook the whole place so they knew he was agreeing. It's almost like, amen. God placed his stamp of approval on this prayer and caused the place to shake a bit. There was a rumbling. It's interesting here that the scripture says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and that they spoke the word of God with boldness. What's interesting here is that what didn't happen in this day of manifestation of the spirits and the particular things about tongues and healing, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they had boldness. They didn't speak in the power or the words of tongues. They wanted power and boldness for the word of God. There's a big difference there. They weren't looking for them to be exalted. They were looking for God to be exalted. Relationship is everything. Relationship is everything. So I guess my question this week to you is, are you praying? When the disciples prayed, Lord, you are God, it was a declaration of faith and a great application of theology. However, if their lives had not been submitted to his control, they could have not prayed that way. Relationship is everything. 
When we are loyal to the Lord and put him first, we can trust him to be faithful to us and see us through these things. What is your relationship with him today? Can you call him Abba, Father, or he is just some distant man upstairs? The old man upstairs. How do you relate to him? Some people say, if you don't have a relationship with God, the only words he wants to hear from you is, forgive me for I have sinned. If you don't say those words, there are a lot of those people who believe that you're, he's not going to hear you because that's what he wants to hear from you. Forgive me. I'm a sinner. And that opens up the realm. It opens up the gates to the throne room. What's your relationship with him today? Martin Luther, my buddy from last week, described prayer this way. He said, the ancients aptly defined prayer as ascentus mentis di unum. Translate, prayer is a climbing up of the heart unto God. Think about that. Climbing up of the heart unto God. Does that describe your relationship with God? Can you climb up to his heart in prayer? Can you be so close to him that you can hear his heart beat? Can you be like John and lay your head on his breast and hear the thumping of his heart? How close is your relationship to God? It's my prayer that you would climb spiritually up there and that you would experience a deep and more meaningful relationship with our Heavenly Father. And this would help you with your effective prayer life. Relationship is everything. The early church devoted themselves to prayer. As a church, we need to pray together. Husbands, wives, you need to pray together. Parents, children, you need to pray together. Believers need to pray. There is power in prayer. We ask people to come forward on Sundays because we realize the power of prayer. You've heard it said that a Christian army moves on its knees. We need to be prayer warriors. Men and women and children of prayer. Knowing the heart of God. Have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask amiss. Leave you with one more quote. P.T. Forsyth. He said, not to pray then is sin behind sin, and it ends up not being able to pray. I'll repeat that. Not to pray is sin behind sin, and sin behind sin ends up being not being able to pray. Yeah, sin. I'd rather speak in one intelligible word than eight billion unintelligible words. You can speak to God in your, in your normal language. You don't, need to have a, you don't need to have a prayer language to speak to God. God speaks all languages, especially English. He loves it. He will listen to you and speak to you. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me on this. Trust me on this. He invented the language. I'll, I'll, I'll let you write it down later, okay? The early believers prayed. They cried out to God, and God answered their prayer. And he answered it in a mighty way. Our God is willing to answer your prayer. The question is, are you praying? You are when Jesus left earth following his resurrection, his followers weren't sure what was next. They had instructions from their Lord and Savior, but not much else. However, they chose to trust that what Jesus said was true and was going to change their lives. It did. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began to minister to the world in ways they'd never have been able to do on their own. 
Is Jesus asking you to follow his instructions today? Maybe he's only given you a piece of the journey, or maybe he's asking you to wait. Take a cue today from the members of the early church. Trust Jesus to come through with his promises and change your life. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope. We'd like to hear from you and learn how we can be praying for you. So please give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. If you'd like to hear more messages from this series in the book of Acts, you'll find them at assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download. And we encourage you to share them with your friends and family. You can also receive a CD copy of today's message by calling us. Again, our number is 609-884-5821. That's all we have time for today. We're so glad we can share God's Word with you through this ministry. Pastor Dave will have more to share from this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Acts. So we hope you'll join us again right here on A Sure Hope.